Welcome to Real Life at the Ridge, the preaching ministry of Chestnut Ridge Church. I'm going to invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 22. In Genesis chapter 22. And this morning I want to talk to you about the gap. and About God being in the gap. So often in our lives we hit spots where we just don't know what's supposed to be going on. We don't understand what's going on. We don't know how to live in that spot. And often we wonder if God's there. And so I want to talk to you just a little this morning about that particular spot in life. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to invite you to take uh, Genesis chapter 22. And if you would stand with me as we read God's word. I'm going to read uh, 14 verses for us this morning. Starting with verse 1 says, now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the mount of Moriah, to the land of Moriah, and offer him there on a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey, and the, the lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it on Isaac his son, and he took the fire in his hand and the, and the knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, My father, and he said, Here I am, my son. And then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him, and Abraham built an altar there and placed the wood in order. <clears throat> and he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord came to he, called to him from heaven and said to Abraham, said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there 
behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Father, I ask you please take your word and this morning and would you, in the time we have, would you teach us? Teach us about serving you. And not only teach us about serving you, but teach us about where you are in the midst of our service. Would you do it for your glory in Christ's name? Amen. You can be seated. I'm going to take and show you something. Um, First off, and I want you to put yourself there in this place for a moment, even though we can't completely go there, but I want you to just imagine what it's like to live the nine verses that Abraham lived in, in the gap. If you look at verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and Abraham said, Here I am. And then if you fast forward through the nine verses, and you get down to verse 11, it says, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And so he said, Here I am. Nine verses that Abraham had to live between God talking to him at the beginning and God talking to him at the end. In those nine verses, we know that there are at least three days, but actually a little longer. I know in Abraham's life, he had already experienced a gap. It was a lot longer than just a few days. Abraham had gone through his life and he had not had a son. He had already given over to himself that he was going to have to leave his inheritance. As a matter of fact, I think if we go back to Genesis chapter 12, it's where he had figured he would go ahead and he would be leaving his inheritance to somebody that worked in his household but was not of his house, of his lineage. It wasn't one of his children. And we fast forward from there. And then at about the age of 70, Abraham is promised Isaac. But Isaac doesn't come in the next day. Isaac doesn't come in the next nine months. As a matter of fact, Isaac doesn't come in the next nine years. It would be at the age of 100 before Abraham would see Isaac. That's a huge gap. As a matter of fact, for us, it's almost a lifetime. I think about my life, and I think about the time that I have had thus far on this earth That's not much more than what Abraham had experienced waiting on Isaac to come. And I don't know about you, but I get impatient sometimes. I'm glad, and this is something I want you to carry with you, I'm glad that God gives space for grace. I don't know about you, but I think everybody has an Ishmael. While Abraham and Sarah were waiting on Isaac, they got impatient and figured that they would have to take things into their own hands. 
And Sarah come up with a plan that she would let her maidservant, Hagar, be with her husband, and that's how they would solve God's dilemma. And Ishmael's born out of it. It's amazing how quick we'll point fingers, isn't it? When in our own lives, how many times have we stepped ahead of God? Not trusted him in the gap. You see, because this is something I've learned. Uh, it, it is real easy to be available. As a matter of fact, and I say real easy, for some folks, availability, being, being available seems to be tough, but I'm going to promise you that being available is often the easiest part of serving God. That being available is often the easiest part of serving God. He comes to Abraham, he says, Abraham? And Abraham says, here I am. How many of you have even answered that much of the call? Just to say, Lord, here I am. Oftentimes we'll find ourselves hiding from God, especially after we've stepped out on an Ishmael moment. After we've messed up, we've made a mistake, we've um, took matters into our own hands, maybe we're living in a situation that we know does not please God, and then when God calls to us, it's almost as if we've got earmuffs on. I don't know about y'all, but I'm, one thing that drives me crazy in this world, and I know a lot of people have uh, expressed this before, but earbuds... Man, I'm telling you right now, Christy's got a pair, and ladies, y'all have an unfair advantage. She'll look over, and I'll be talking, she'll just grin at me. I think she's listening, and her hair's covering them earbuds up. <laughs> and then when I don't think she's listening, she is. <laughs> we were standing at a register yesterday, and there was a guy in front of us. He obviously, I couldn't see it in his, the ear that was to my side, but he obviously had one in the other side or some device, and he was carrying on a conversation. I thought that he was carrying on a conversation with the cashier, but he was not. It was, he was carrying on a conversation with somebody else. And, you know, I thought to myself, and, and, and I'm, I don't know about you, but I like judging people. Do y'all like just, just it's, isn't that fun? <laughs> Like, how disrespectful, how rude, you know? She's there attending to him, and he's having a conversation with somebody else and ain't paying no attention to her. I wonder in our lives if our attention is even to the point to where we hear God call us and then we care enough and make ourselves available to the point to where we would say, God, here I am. So... Just as a start, on the edges of the gap, it's probably one of the easiest places to be is to say, God, I'll, I'm here. And even to say that, God, I'll do it. You know, I, I mentioned before, and I, I've uh, said it this week even in a video, I had heard a preacher say one time that, you know, that he only invests his time in fat Christians. And that's great. That puts me in the lineup, Right. But he's talking about faithful, available, and teachable people. I kind of mixed it up a little bit this morning in the lineup, but being available is one thing. Being faithful is another. 
There are a lot of people that say they will do things, but there are very few folks I come to find out that will follow through. And following through does not always look like we think it looks. This is something that God's been teaching me over the course of quite a few years now. I've not reached to perfection in it by no means, but I'm a little further along than I was in realizing that not only in my life, but in other people's lives too, Everything's not going to work out perfect in the gap. Everything's not going to be picturesque. That when you go to serve God and God gives you what you are to do, that there is space for grace that God gives, and if God gives it, then you and I have to give it too. That we give opportunity for mistakes. We give opportunity for, for life to happen. And when we look at this text, it's amazing to me, I've, I've often just preached it and thought about it right off the cuff of what it looks like, and I think we should do that, but then there are some things there that are left in question. I want to take you into the text, and I want to walk you through, and I just want you to have at least an option or two as to what this may have been actually like, because what the text says is true, but there is a human being there that we know is already stepped ahead of God. Listen to what he says here in verse 2. Then God said to Abraham, Take now your only son, your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And right off the bat, I don't know about your response, but my response would be, you've got to be kidding me. It's good that God was specific because if I were Abraham, Ishmael would have bit the dust. Take now your son, the only son that is actually by you and your wife, Isaac. If he'd have just said, take your son and go and offer him, I know the first place my mind would have went to. It went to Ishmael. Even though I can't imagine what that would have been like. But then it says, listen to verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two young men with him, Isaac his son, split the wood for the burnt offering, and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Abraham rose early in the morning. I know that I have preached before. Abraham was such a servant of God. He could not wait to serve God. He got up early. Didn't waste any time, didn't linger. And that sounds great, doesn't it? Unfortunately, we don't know what happened from the time that God called Abraham and gave him the instructions to that next morning. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'd have slept much that night. Could it possibly be, and I'm just throwing this out there as a possibility, could it possibly be that the reason that Abraham was ready to go the next morning is because he was waiting on daylight to come up and never saw sleep? And when dawn started to crack, he just said, we might as well go ahead and get this over with. I mean, when we read that, sometimes we look at things and go, I wish I had that kind of faith. 
And we want to build Abraham up. And here's the thing. Uh, we, I think we do have some great lessons here about faith. But don't forget that this is Abraham who is a man just like us who has already entered into a situation to where he had a child by somebody who was not his wife. All in the name of trying to serve God. And here he is. And I don't know about you, but when I'm in the gap, because you got to understand, when God speaks to him and says, take your son, your only son Isaac, go to a mountain I'll tell you, and there I want you to sacrifice him. That's it. From that point forward, he doesn't hear from God again until God, through the angel of the Lord, says, don't touch him. That's a long time, folks. I don't know about you, but you ever been in a situation where you just wish you could hear God? God, I wish you could, would tell me what I need to do. I, I, I wish you would give me some type of relief and just confirming something. God, would you just let me, you know, give me one more glimpse, God, or help me through this situation, Lord. And nothing. Or at least it seems to be nothing. You know that being faithful causes reality and reason to collide. I've tried to reason my way through things that God wants me to do, and I, then the reality of the situation comes in, and it's almost like there's this conflict in my life to where reality and reason are just, I can't bring a resolve to the two. And the only thing left to do is just to trust God. And trusting God is not something that comes natural to me. I trust my abilities. And I'll be honest with you, a lot of times in my Christian life, I've found myself to where I'll trust my abilities over trusting Him. And I know you don't have that problem. I know what it says in Hebrews 11, that, that in all of this, it kind of gives us an answer to a couple of things. It says that Abraham, as a matter of fact, let me just read it for you. In Hebrews 11, 17, it says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from which he also received him in a figurative sense. In a figurative sense into which it seemed that Sarah's womb was dead, that she would not conceive a child, but yet God brought life and what a miraculous thing, although none of us in this room want that to happen. Can I get a witness? We done. Can I? Yeah. Amen. We're done. Bring the grandbabies home and take them home. Amen. But they had conceded that there was no way that Sarah was going to be able to have a child. That's why Ishmael comes in. But somewhere down in the mix, 
Abraham, I, I, I full-heartedly believe, and the Bible tells us that he believed that God would come through. One, somehow, some way, that if God could make Isaac come from what seemed to be a barren womb, much too old to have a child, and him himself being of great age, that if God can do that, then I have to believe that if I'm going to trust my eternity into God's hands, that God can take care of this situation. I believe all that. But what was it like living in the gap? Listen to what it says. And so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac his son. He split the wood for the burnt offering and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. Abraham was one of the most wealthy men in ancient times. Servants that did everything he needed done. But the Bible says that Abraham went and got the donkey himself. Put the tack and all on the donkey himself. Said that he got two young men to come with him and he split the wood. That means he went and got the axe. He went and split the wood for the burnt offering. And then he let them off. I don't want to miss just the fact that there are some things when God calls you to a task that you have to do yourself, you can't put off on other people. God spoke to you. And sometimes when God gives us things to do, it seems like, well, God, can't other people take care of this? Can't, well, if, and we take into consideration, into, into the notion that, well, aren't other people responsible for this? I'll give you one in particular, the Great Commission. Do you know that God has actually given all of us the Great Commission? Each and every one of us. Go into all the world, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. That you are to, to, to share the gospel. You're to disciple and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. He said, I'll go with you. And gave that command, that commission, and he left out of here. And he's not coming. Uh, he, we won't hear again until he comes back. And you and I are in the gap of that. How well are we doing with it? How well are we living out the Great Commission? Own mission for God. As if we want God to speak to us again and move us to some kind of uh, uh, obedience to him, but... What if he's not going to say anything else? As a matter of fact, let's put it this way. What if he, what he spoke is what we carry on with? You know, Abraham in those nine verses, he has what God told him at the beginning. And then he has no other direction. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's because God actually wants him to carry out what he told him he wanted him to carry out. And nothing else. This is what I want you to do. 
Abraham's whole life of serving God, for the major part of it, is wrapped up in this one thing. Isaac coming and then taking Isaac and sacrificing, or, or taking Isaac to go as a sacrifice. And that's his ministry. I mean, I know there's other things, daily life comes along with it, but don't miss this. You and I need to be careful that we don't go out here looking for something that God's not given us to do. God has given us one primary task, and that is to make disciples. We, we share the gospel, they come to faith. We baptize them, we disciple them to do the same thing until Jesus comes back. I mean, this is not my whole point. I just want just an illustration. We live for him who died for us. You preacher, what do I do? My marriage is a wreck. Preacher, what do I do? I, I've, I've lost this or lost them or I've, uh, this has happened with this or this has happened with that. I said, you do the same thing that you were supposed to do all along. You work on your relationship with him and you fulfill the Great Commission. And you go, that stinks. That's why I'm trying to tell you, I don't think everything was as pretty as it looks in Abraham's situation. I want you to take your son, I want you to get you some uh, wood together for a sacrifice, because he knew that that's what would need to happen. Get the knife together, and I want you to go up there, and I want you to sacrifice your son. And I, I can't believe that Abraham just goes, I'll do it exactly like that, God, I'm so happy to serve you. Because think about what church life is like in our world today. For just a moment. Are people satisfied with just doing what God's called us to do? Come on, somebody answer. We want church to be something more. We want the Christian life to be something more, don't we? Well, there's got to be more to it than this. Why would God give you something else if you don't live out what he's given you already? He says if you're faithful over little things, and I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about us, I'm talking about me too. I mean, I'm in this thing too. Because in the gap, this is where we live life, is in the gap. Right in the middle, where is God? And as Abraham's going, he's three days' journey. He knows what's going on. Nobody else does, especially even Isaac. He don't even have a clue. Dad, there's the wood and the fire. Where's the lamb? I don't even know so much that when Abraham told the, the men, he said, y'all stay here, me and the lad will come back. Y'all might think I'm crazy, and I'm not trying to be a heretic. I just want to give you two viewpoints because these are things we don't know. Maybe it was that Abraham had so much faith that he said, you know what, God's going to provide. I'm, I'm bringing the boy back with me. 
Or maybe he just hadn't got to the point in his life to where he was willing to tell, let, let the kid in on it. And both of those are just speculation because we don't know the depth of it all. What we do know is that Abraham proceeded on. And what he proceeded on with, and I think this is one of the big things we need to take out, not the biggest thing, we'll get to it in a moment, but this is one of the big things we need to take, take into account. Reality and reason were just a jumbled up cloud of fog for Abraham at that moment. So what does Abraham do? He proceeds on with what God had told him. You know, just because, and I, I, I just, this is just something I feel led to, to share in this, uh, so I don't know, I'm just going to do it. Just because life seems to throw you into a loop, because this is one thing that I see, and this is not beating down on nobody, I'm trying to, I, I want to try to help. But just because life throws you into a loop, hands you a raw card, and you've tried to serve the Lord, and it's just like um, everything seemed to go wrong with the plan you were in, does not give you the right to trespass on the grace of God and live in sin because it feels like anointment to heal your body or your soul. I know plenty of people that have been hurt in marriages it takes two to tango, and I'm telling you, you cannot make another person do what you want them to do. That's why it's so important that you not be unequally yoked. Does God work situations out? Yes, He does. And thank God for His grace. But God is not on the hook to work out the mess that you started. He's not. Thank God for His grace. But if He doesn't work it out, and it... Is it his fault, the choices that we made? But it still don't give us a right to live in sin just because we don't want, it don't feel comfortable to live the way he wants us to live. Being faithful, it causes reality and reason to collide. Let's just walk on through a little bit. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took the fire in his hand and the knife and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, Father, and he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? I just want to stop there for a moment. I, can you imagine that? I mean, this is not some fictitious story. Some, some uh, theologians have uh, proposed that this is not talking about actual people. This is talking about nations. It's too in-depth. In it's too detailed. I don't believe for one minute that it's talking about anything but Isaac and Abraham. 
a man with his son taking his son to do something that doesn't make sense whatsoever. I mean, think about it. For, for God, who, who actually was against the practice of sacrificing children, much less murder, and was verbal about that, to say, go and sacrifice your son, your only son Isaac. I had a, a, a dog when I moved here. His name was Eddie. Eddie was, I don't know how old was Eddie when we moved here. Year or two, year, maybe. Not quite a year. I think we figured he was about 11 months or so, somewhere in that neighborhood. Anyhow, yeah, because he was born the year before we got here. Two years? He was about two. Okay, there you go. Two years before we got here. Man, that was my dude. Eddie's one of the best dogs I've ever had in my life. Eddie lived to a little over 11 years old. I could open up the kennel where Eddie was back in the back. I could open it up. He wouldn't come out unless I told him to come out. And then if you quit playing with him, he went straight back to the kennel. He wouldn't go nowhere else. That dude loved to play ball. We went so, through so many of these indestructible rubber balls. <laughs> As a matter of fact, I can't, can't bring it to my heart just yet to throw the last one away. When, in my driveway, as I pull up to the carport and the house meets the driveway and the carport, there's one laying right in the corner right there. Bleached by the sun and, you know, and, but man, Eddie, he would sacrifice his life to get that ball. I mean, and he could catch it. He could do whatever you wanted him to do with that ball. I mean, he would run out in front of a car to get that ball, knowing that car's coming. He, um, he would never, like I say, when the, we left, I left the door open to the kennel. Whenever we were done, he wouldn't just hang out. He'd always go back. I went down to feed him one day and noticed he hadn't eaten anything. Door was open, and I called him out. We played ball for just a little bit, and he didn't want to go back into the kennel. I was like, man, that's odd. And so he'd come up, and he wanted to lay on the doormat in the carport at the door. And I was like, Eddie, come on. It's time to get, go back, you know. And I had to push him back into the kennel. I noticed he started losing weight, wasn't eating. So took him to the vet, and the vet told me, he said, uh, he said, we can do whatever you want to do, he said, but I can just about guarantee you that he's got cancer or something like that going on with his major organs and all, and he said, there's nothing really, that, if that's what's going on, nothing really we can do, he said, and I've seen things like this so often, I'm just telling you. We can spend a couple thousand dollars to find this out, or you can just trust me. So I go let Eddie out of the kennel. He runs up there and lays down on the doormat. And I'll try to get him to play ball, and he can't half play ball now because his back legs is 
wiggly and just ain't got the strength. And, and I was trying to figure out, I was like, man, this is, what in the world is this going to be like? I mean, you know, I grew up on the farm. I've put animals down before. And, and I have taken the life of, of many animals. As a matter of fact, I was raised, though, you, didn't only re- you either put them down for mercy or you eat them. You use them. You don't waste life. But I had never put Eddie down before. And I sit there and I thought about it. Well, he come up there and then start, things started clicking with me. Because I was sitting there trying to figure out, do I take him to the vet? Have them put him down? Do I try to get a friend to come put him down? Because I don't think I can do it. You know? I just don't think, I don't think I can take him to the vet and have it done. And I've got all those things running through my mind. And I believe in a sweet way it all worked out. But as a matter of fact, what happened was I come home one day and I seen Eddie walking toward the woods. And he'd been laying on that mat for days. And I called him back up there and he didn't want to come, but he, he ended up coming back up and laying back down. A couple hours later, he's headed back toward the woods again. I'm like, what are you doing? You don't never go back there. Then it hit me. A lot of times, animals, especially dogs, they'll wander off to die somewhere off in the woods. And me and Eddie had our little goodbye. I, I got him back up there on the, on the mat, sit down there and said my goodbye, and I went back in the house to give him enough time to get gone. That's a dog. You hear me? That's a dog. How do you take your child? I can't believe it was that easy. I can't believe that anybody, and so you know what I've come to believe? That anything that Abraham was able to do in this gap It was God doing it through him. The credit does not go to Abraham. We won't get to heaven and say, way to go, Abraham. When we get to heaven, all the glory will go to him. And I just want you to know that in your life and in my life, when we're obedient in the gap, It is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Don't you ever pat yourself on the back thinking that you've done something great for God when it is God that gives us the faith, God that gives us the strength, God that gives us the direction, and God that gives us the grace for the Ishmael moments. It's God that does it. We rely so much on us. This is real life. This ain't some drama. We're so quick, and don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to, I'm not beating down on Christmas dramas and Easter dramas and none of that stuff. But we're quick to volunteer to be a part of something that's just a a picture of what real life is like. The rubber meets the road. 
Isaac being taken up on that mountain with no drama. It was real. When you're going through the hell that you go through in your life, sometimes just because you choose to do what's right, it's not a drama. It's real. And it would do us good to quit watching some of this stuff on TV, getting our souls so quenched with the, the idea of drama and dramatic things. Get into the real life and realize that God meets real people at the intersection of grace and humanity. That God meets us there. And that's where life is lived out. Everybody goes through messed up stuff. And if you trust God and you walk by faith in God, you're going to have an interesting walk. Because God's going to, I promise you, God's going to have you do things that have you turned upside down. That's my last point. I'm not even going to go across my last point. I'm just going to give it to you and I'll conclude some things. Being teachable allows the process to do its work. In the gap, you and I must remain teachable so that the process that God has us go through, it can do its work. Some people, you would think, they seem to have an easier life than others. I don't understand how all that works out, and we could look at it to be say that this is not fair, but let me just tell you, the only thing in this life that truly is not fair is that we would go free from the penalty of our sin. That's what's not fair. That's not fair to God. God's holy, God's righteous, and you and I being free from the penalty of our sin, that ain't fair. It's grace. When we look at this story and we follow it all the way through and like I said, I'm, we see that Abraham takes Isaac up on the mountain and he, his only son and he binds him up and I can't even imagine that part. Lays him on the wood after he prepares it and he's getting ready to take his life and raises the knife It is a type or a picture of another situation that happened. And some believe that the very mountain that Abraham took Isaac to is the mount called Calvary. Where Jesus Christ took his only son and brought him there. The only difference is, I say the only difference, the big difference is that no angel cried out and said, wait, God, don't do it. And there wasn't no ram caught in a thicket. And his son actually was sacrificed there that day. Jesus Christ, our Savior. And it's through Christ. It is through Christ and his finished work on the cross, his atonement for our sin that brings us into the body of Christ, that opens our eyes, the spirit of the living God that lives in us, his word, that you and I have the faith that we have, the strength that we have. And if you and I are in any way fearless, 
It is because perfect love casts out all fear. Because we know as we go forward in our Christian life, we know without a shadow of a doubt that he who began a good work in us is faithful. That he'll see it through until the day of completion. And we know that. So I'll just leave you with this. I think that all of us are in the gap for sure in the sense that we have been commissioned to go out into this world, share the gospel, to baptize, and to disciple. Every one of us are living in that gap. Be faithful. But then along the way, just as in Abraham's life, there was that larger gap, and then there was this smaller gap. You and I have personal tasks, I believe. We have to work out our own salvation, fear and trembling. But you and I have things that God has, I believe, divinely appointed us for in this world. In the working out of the Great Commission and all those other things. Some people feel led to some things more than they do others. It doesn't make one right, one wrong. It just means that God's <clears throat> appointed you for a, a particular thing. Just as Abraham was appointed for that moment with Isaac. You and I have responsibilities here on this earth. And that's where we're leading to as a church family. Is that every single one of us have a responsibility to carry out the will of God in our lives for His glory. And if we don't, we'll sit around here and we'll become obese. Just taking in, taking in, taking in. And never giving and putting out. And people that are outside the walls are going to starve to death. The military motto that I quoted Wednesday night, when you don't obey orders, people die. That's pretty strong, isn't it? You and I have been given this commission because we are to take the gospel to a lost and dying world. Who is the person that's going to get saved? I don't know. Charles, Charles Spurgeon said one thing, he said, or he said that he said, if you could pull up somebody's shirt and there's an E on their back, he said, I'll go after them for the elect. He said, but until then, he said, I'll just go after all of them. We just, that's our commission. And inside of that, you and I have things to work out each and every day. I just want you to know that you have the faith, the grace, the power, and the peace to live in the gap. What you got to do is you got to stick with what you know God said and just keep walking. And God will come through in the end. Thank you for listening today. Pastor Greg wants to share with you how the gospel changed his life and how it can change yours too. You know, Tim, it was the gospel that saved me. I'll never forget when Ray Elder came into my life, uh, God put him there and he shared the truth of the gospel with me, that I was a sinner, that Christ died for my sins, and that if I would accept him as the Lord of my life and follow him, that he would change my life. And that's exactly what he's done. I wonder if that's something that you would like to do today that you would today, before God, just admit, you know, God, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, and I need you. 
And God, I believe that Christ died on the cross for me, and I want to accept his payment today for, for my sins, and I want to live for him from this point forward. If you pray that prayer today, we want to welcome you into the family of God. We also want to encourage you to contact us. You'll find a link below where you can reach us. And so we look forward to hearing from you. so much that he gave his son for us. Amen. God bless you guys.